Growth is the only way to unlock your true greatness, not only to yourself, but to the world. I'm your host, Candace Lamb, and I'm here to encourage you to explore the possibilities of your best life, what it looks like, and what it takes to get there. I've gathered successful leaders all around the globe to ask the questions we all want to know about business, wealth, health, and relationships. So settle in. You're listening to the Growth and Greatness Podcast. Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Growth and Greatness Podcast. I am your host, Candice Lamb, and I am so excited to be back with you guys this week. It has been a few weeks since we've been able to connect. I have been traveling. The Lord has been doing his thing, and I've been missing you guys. So I'm excited to be bringing another episode to you tonight. If you are just hopping on, I encourage you to share, 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 because tonight's conversation is going to be so, so very good. Guys, I don't know. I feel like I just want to chit-chat with you a little bit. I hope everybody's week has been really good. For those of you who have not been following my social media, and I'm so bad at this, but I've been traveling for the past few weeks. I got a chance to go to California and speak at a women's conference there and lead worship there. So that was super, super awesome. I also got a chance to officiate my very first wedding while I was in California. So that was awesome also. And then from California, flew over to New Jersey, got a chance to minister at a worship event there. And y'all, your girl was tired. T-I-I-I-E-D. But the Lord be praised. It was such a, such a really great time. I got a chance to meet some really amazing people and the Lord really moved. So I love watching the Lord interact with his people. That is a privilege of ministry. So you guys, tonight's episode is keys to avoid leadership burnout. I have a very special guest with us tonight by the name of Dr. Shiana Mull. Anthony. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Shai. Dr. Shai holds a bachelor's degree in philosophy from Boston University. She holds a master's degree in Pentecostal charismatic history from Oral Roberts University with a specialization in the contribution of women in ministry to Pentecostal charismatic church history. She has a master's of religious education degree from Oklahoma City University and a doctor of laws and letters degree from the Wesley Synod, North America, and a doctor of ministry degree from the American Christian College and Seminary. She knows some things. She done read a few books. She's coming to share her wisdom with us tonight, and I'm so excited. I've got a ton of questions to ask her, and we definitely want to hear from you. So if you have any questions along the way, please don't hesitate to put them in the chat. Pastor Shai has been doing ministry for 46 years altogether. And so one of the things that you will notice about her is that even after 46 years, she has a humility about her that is It really is infectious. And not only that, but there's such a depth to her. So I'm very, very excited. Please, please help me welcome Dr. Shiana Mull Anthony. Pastor Shai. Hello. Hello, my sister. How are you? I'm doing so good. How are you doing? 
I'm great. Thank you for inviting me, including me, and to all of your audience. Hello. Nice to meet you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Just a one quick moment, one quick admin note. Can we make sure that this is my personal page and also the uh, Candace Arland page? For those of you who are watching, I have two Facebook pages. I have a Candace R. Lamb page where most of the podcasts are hosted. And then I have a personal page, but some people are on my personal page and they'd be looking for the podcast there, but it ain't there. So Follow me on Candace R. Lamb on Facebook, and that is where you can get all of the podcast content after the fact. Pastor Shy, yes, we're talking about burnout tonight. Burnout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise his high name. So one of the first questions that I want to ask you is, what is your origin of Christian leadership from the beginning? Like, how did you even get into this, let alone last for 46 years? Wow. Okay. That's a good question. I want to greet everyone again and say hello from a very warm Tulsa, Oklahoma. So nice to participate tonight. My origin story of Christian leadership. I know you all are thinking she does not look that old. You're exactly right. That's right. I was very young. (laughs) I was very young. I received Jesus as my savior made a decision for him and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know who every, everyone watching, what your tradition is, but for our tradition, that's something we find to be very important to receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, that happened when I was a young girl in a wonderful classical Pentecostal church in New Jersey. In fact, that church was pastored by your grandparents-in-law, if there's such a thing. There's and, such uh, a thing. In that In that setting, I was seven years old when that happened. In that setting, they began, that church, the pastor, his wife, Reverend Gordon Anthony Rogers, Mother Lena Rogers, and my Sunday school teacher was the first one, Joan Irving. They recognized something in me, either that or they developed it. I'm not sure which it was. But immediately they started giving me leadership roles. My first role was the treasurer of the Billy Madison Choir. And anyone that knows me knows that's a miracle, not because I would ever take money, but I lose things. So I remember they trusted me. That was a big deal to be trusted. My family were were not Christian, so I was someone who was in the church without an immediate family member. I had cousins there, but they trusted me. So my original Christian leadership started right there. Then I started in other areas. They let me have, you know, minister, we can call it preaching in those days. We said minister from the pulpit. They let me do youth revivals, all types of things. You imagine, you can imagine a young person in a church like that. I was so happy to have opportunity for expression. And so you name it, I did it. I had the key to the church, which is also a miracle if anyone knows about me losing keys. And I would go down and do things for the church. We started our own youth choir You name it, we did it. But I'm giving credit to those leaders who recognized a leadership potential in me and facilitated it, Hmm. facilitated it in certain areas. Speaking came a little bit later, but originally the big deal was that they allowed me to have responsibility and they trusted me. So that's kind of where it all started. And it grew, of course. You know, I went on to other things like to be a speaker in our tradition, our denomination, like many that you all may be aware of, had district things and state, you know, different groupings where you could exercise your leadership. So I moved from that church setting and they would ask me to represent them in larger settings. 
So I'll just have to say all of my Christian leadership experience was based in, rooted in, and cultivated, recognized and cultivated from that church in New Jersey. Okay. Okay. Shout out. If you're watching and you knew me, you grew up with me, shout out. (laughs) Shout out for sure. Yes. So, I mean, again, after 46 years of ministry, I'm sure you've seen so much. And one of the questions that I have for you is, what would you say is one of the main contributing factors to ministry burnout now? (laughs) Now, okay. I want to go back a little. You read one of my areas is is, uh, history, Christian Pentecostal charismatic. Right. That term burnout, I don't remember it even being on the radar until the 80s, late 80s. Okay. And so I remember thinking about that. Maybe there was another term prior to that, but I remember that getting my attention because I had observed such leadership that was uh, such excellency in Christian leadership. Mm-hmm. I had noticed that for years, again, from the time I was saved into the 80s, by this time I'm in undergrad, had gone to graduate school, and I started hearing about Christian burnout from Christian leaders. And I really, that really disturbed me. And so the main contributors that I've seen from the, over the years, wondering why a Christian leader would have burnout. I would say, if I had to summarize it, I think it's when we as Christian leaders allow something or someone else to define or to dictate our ministry apart from the one who called us, the Lord Hmm. Jesus Christ. Now, so let me qualify that a little bit. That's not to say that we don't overwork sometimes, become weary, et cetera. We're human beings. But I started to see a trend that I didn't notice when I was growing up. And it's a trend of allowing ourselves to try to model our ministry or our leadership after someone else, Hmm. to try to catch with trends that are happening. We want to keep up. And I can tell you so many trends, it would make me feel really old to tell you. But, you know, there's the church growth trends. And then there was this, the Sunday school trend was before that. That's not even in anymore. How many kids you can get into Sunday school, how many buses you have, that's really dating me. And then there were other things. There's a small group, the cell group trend. There's all these trends. None of them were wrong. But when we decide that we're going to do that, whether we're a pastor, I'm a pastor, but whether you're a pastor, evangelist, whatever area in ministry you lead, if someone else or something else begins to define for you what your ministry should look like, apart from the one who called you, Hmm. then you have an issue. Little David, little David in the Bible, he figured that out long before Jesus came when, uh, remember Saul wanted him to go into battle and and handle his armor. And he just said, you know, I can't, I'm not going to function in this armor. It's not going to work. But if you'll let me just have my slingshot and my stones, Mm -hmm. I can do what I need to do. So that is, I think, part of a real problem is when we try to, we allow, and I'm saying allow, because it's not always people doing it to us. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we do it. We subscribe to the latest podcast. We do whatever, whatever. And we decide instead of gleaning what we can glean, we decide I want to be just like that. I'm going to do that. I'm Mm -hmm. going to pursue success in the corporate sense. To me, this is all like, I think it outlines, Candace. So this is all under my one point. Listen, I'm eating it up. Go ahead. Allow something or someone else apart from Jesus and the Holy Spirit to define and dictate our ministry. So that would be pressure to be like others, pressures to do things like others. That's not natural. And that starts to wear on you. To follow trends, I said that. To pursue success in a corporate way. We do not measure our success based on 
the same things the world is supposed to measure our success with. And when we do that, we will have burnout because we're really pushing ourselves to something that God is not with us in pushing mm-hmm. ourselves. And so we can't, we don't measure like that. Think about this. Jesus is my model. Of course, he should be all of our model. He's my hero. But think about this. The one that we serve eternally, who has saved us, gave his life for us. We carry his name Christian. He never went anywhere far. He didn't build anything physically. You know, he had a crew of 12 and he lost one of them that hung out with him. Nothing in the natural or the worldly sense would have been attractive about his ministry at the time. However, we know it was successful because here we sit 2000 years later. So a man with no social networking, no, never left the region. I just came back from Israel recently and it's not very far. No place he went. He could walk everywhere. Hmm. He had no telegram, none of the things that we have today, but yet the law of exponential dividends came in, comes into play. And here we sit 2000 years later and Christianity is the greatest force, the greatest religion, if you will, to be dealt with because he did what his assignment was and he didn't try to do it like anyone else. So to me, that's a big thing. When we add the burden to us that he hasn't given to us, we're asking for trouble because we weren't made for that. And Hmm. I don't think our numbers in the church should reflect corporate numbers. Now, you've been in the corporate world for years. I've known you for years now. And I've always read the statistics, you know, of how many people at the top in a corporation, if something happens, they commit suicide or what. This is statistics. And I expect that to be the case with the Mm -hmm. unbeliever. But it should mm-hmm. not be numbered among the Christian leadership. We should be able to realize that our directive, our outline for what we do should come from the one who called us. Nothing, no trend, no other person, nothing, nothing, nothing should dictate who we are. I know that sounds real spiritual, but it shouldn't. And that's, uh, mm-hmm. it takes a while to learn that and grasp it, you know, it really does. I <laughs> love that you said that. And I think it requires a discipline It really does require a discipline to really be a good, I say good, but an intentional follower of Jesus Christ at the level of a leader, right? Because we all, you know, if we're in Christian ministry, we understand that part of our call, you know, is to equip the saints for the working of the ministry. But at the core level of everybody's experience in Christ, we are Christ followers. And so sometimes in leadership, I completely agree with you. We begin to glean from each other more than we follow Christ Mm -hmm. because it Mm -hmm. seems like, oh, well, you've got a cool expression and, oh, you guys are doing something awesome. But really, I love what you're saying. Like it really is just boiling back down to being a Christ follower and following his ministry in the model that he's giving you for your area, for your time, for your people. Yes. And, and that and is all very, of those things. Since that is so difficult, especially when you're starting out, et cetera, because I don't know many Christian leaders who think, who get into ministry for money or fame. I think 99% of those who join ministry are doing it because they feel a call of God on their life and they want to help people. Mm-hmm. In an effort to help people and fulfill the call, sometimes we help God. So every conference we go to, like I said, everything we subscribe to, I subscribe to everything. I go to everything, but I'm not measuring my ministry according to that. I'm mm. thinking, ooh, I glean, will this fit? Oh, that won't work for us. That's not me. That doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. See, so when we are intentional about noticing, not only allowing that 
Jesus, there's several scriptures that just get my attention right now. It's coming to my head. Number one, he orders our footsteps. So realize mm-hmm. he's in charge. Number two, he said his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Yeah. So when it starts getting heavy, listen, I hate to say it. You can say all you want. The Lord told me to do this. And I got a prophetic word. And this is going to be a difficult season, all that stuff. You have just contradicted the scripture. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. So when it starts to get heavy, I'm not saying it won't. That's the time to retreat and think again and say, am I doing something I shouldn't be doing? Either That's that or so he's good. Alive. So good. Somebody put that in the chat, please. Listen, if you're listening right now and you feel like there's somebody that could benefit from this, I want you to share this right now. Because scripture puts these phrases in there that are indicators that if we can just measure ourselves by it. I love what you're saying, Pastor Shai. If we ever get to the point where the yoke is no longer easy and the burden is no longer light, we have got to reassess. We've got to recalibrate. Yes, yes. And we cannot look for another prophetic something or other, or we can't look for something to justify the weight that we're carrying, because if we're honest and I don't, I'm not trying to throw no shade and I'm not trying to comfort nobody, but sometimes we carry this, the weight because it is a badge of honor for us. And in uh-huh. that sense, we begin uh-huh. to steal the Lord's glory because exactly. we want people to know that we are bared up under a heavy weight of ministry. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And again, we all know this, but we have to revisit it. And this is one of the reasons my sister, I always talk a lot about the Jesus style. I'm purposely doing that because, for example, if your leadership style is based on some of our precious brothers who are very successful, say in the Old Testament, think about Solomon or back to David again. Well, when they hit pressure or burnout, they wound up in the bed with somebody that wasn't their wife. Okay, I mean, this is, you see this pattern throughout the Old Testament. People that I go to conferences, leadership conferences. And the style they're presenting is maybe an Old Testament leader or whatever. And I'm thinking, why would you do that when you have the model of Jesus? How do you handle stress? I mean, it's real simple. It sounds like 101. All the degrees you read, I'm telling you, everything I learned to be a successful Christian leader, I learned in Sunday school. Okay? 101, Christianity 101. You do your thing and you walk and talk with the Lord. And when he needs to tell you something, you take time, you go aside and let him give you input. Then you keep going on what your mission is. And then you see a hurting person by the side of the road. Everything you're doing is not more important than that person. So there's just some real simple things that we just overlook in an effort either to have the badge or in sincerity, just really sincerely wanting to succeed. Hmm. And I think we have to remeasure what success looks like to Jesus. That's why I painted that picture of him. The one who had 12 followers. (laughs) And, and lost one. My numbers, my ratio is much better than Jesus, if you want to look at it like that. But in the long run, not necessarily so. Right. So yeah, right. you have to, that idea of letting him be the model, and it's not always attractive, especially from much of my culture and my tradition, because the Jesus way is kind of quiet sometimes. It's not always flamboyant. You know, it's not always a strong personality in our mindset. But Mm -hmm. that style of leadership is what's effective, and it also has eternal significance. That's not to make fun of anyone else in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying sometimes, for example, how many sermons have you and I heard? I talked about some men on the Proverbs 31 woman, right? And so you're guilty and get burnout messing along with that. There's messing around with the Proverbs 31 woman. There's a very key passage there. It talks about her servants. 
The woman has servants. <laughs> she gets up and gives a portion to her household, her servants. I don't have any servants. So I am not losing sleep if I can't be the end all to everybody and everything. I don't have any servants. Now, some of you all have magic. I don't have any of that. So with me, what you see is what you get. But you're not going to kill me ahead of time or I'm not going to kill myself before God is wanting me to come home. When he's the one that says I'm supposed to fulfill my days, he wants to give me long yes. life. I'm not showing up to heaven early because I worked so hard and burnt myself out. And then he says, Shaw, what are you doing here? Oh, I had, I had you 22 more years. Oh, come start, on. I start listing. Well, this happened. This happened. You know, and he says, but did I tell you to handle that? They call you because you said, your, I didn't tell you to handle that. Did you consult me? They didn't, you see where I'm going? That's yes. not to be fine, but we just sometimes in an effort, we just add the burden and we add the yoke that he has not put on us. That's true. And we don't always realize that some of the ways that we follow Christ, some of the practices that we actually walk out are really contradictions to scripture. So I love what you said. The Bible says with long life, he'll satisfy us. But that mm -hmm. means that we've got to live in a way to steward long life. And be satisfied. We know and a lot of satisfied. people a time, our current medical situation can keep you living a long time, but you may not be satisfied. I'm talking about living it long and being satisfied. Mm -hmm. These are all promises from the word. But again, if we don't, cling to those promises, yeah. we're falling for and we'll be, we'll have to answer for it. We really will. And we have we to have adjust to. our expectations, right? Because being satisfied, that's a big thing. And the reason why sometimes we are driven and not led because Jonathan, you know, Pastor Jay, he always says that he says the enemy will drive you, but the Lord promises to lead you. Yes. Amen. And sometimes we are driven and not led because we're not satisfied. Because so our expectations of what success looks like in ministry don't always align with, you know, what the Lord describes success to be. And sometimes we've got to take a quiet moment and sit before the Lord and ask him, where are we holding ambition in our heart in the place mm -hmm. of obedience? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear you. You know, my direct mentor, supervisor, whatever you want to call her, is a lady named Bishop LaDonna Osborne. And I've watched her for years when she counsels with pastors. We have a, a large fellowship of churches, a lot of evangelists and missionaries. And I've watched her say something. I was very young when I first started working with her. And at first, I didn't understand what she meant. Now I do. She said to people, she says when giving counsel, if you are a servant of Christ, you may not take the credit when you succeed and you may not take the blame when you fail. You are a sower sent out to sow. You are a servant of the Lord. Your only job is to be obedient to what he asks you to do. You're never supposed to start measuring by your standards what is success. He hmm. will handle that. So you don't get to take credit and you don't take blame. You walk in the integrity that you know. And I'm not talking about abusing people, that type of thing. But the integrity, like you said, and not measuring your ministry or success by anyone else or any other standard. That's, That's not so fair. Good. That's so That's good. Okay, Pastor Shai, another question. For 46 years, how have you managed to process the frequent disappointment and frustration that comes from being a Christian leader? Oh, I've grown. Hopefully all of us have grown. So I won't talk about how I used to handle it. I'm getting better. <laughs> you can tell, you can tell us a little bit. 
Well, first of all, anyone who knows me, I am a yeller. <laughs> part of it, I think, is my comportment, you know, a personality. Also, where I'm from, Jersey, we're not genteel Southerners. We can, you know. So I'm a yeller and I can yell at people. So I, that used to be my process. If you disappointed me or I was frustrated with myself, I yell at myself. I'm getting better. I have certainly not arrived. And uh, something really funny, again, I know some of your people online, some I don't know, you don't know me, so allow me to tell this and you just have to still respect me when it's done. So I was in church Sunday. We are in the midst of Christmas season, holiday season. And I'm an over planner because I'm a people person. I'm a classic extrovert. I work with a lot of introverts, but I don't ask them what they want. So I had Sunday schedule was prayer, then service. Right after service, a baby shower while the people were there. Then a service at the nursing home, 10 visitations in the hospital. And then I have evening was something we call wind talk, which is similar to this, where we have a live forum. That starts at six. Well, by about three o'clock, the poor people were frazzled. And I started yelling. It was really funny. So I, st I said, okay, I started yelling. I picked up my phone to say, I text you guys this. I text this information to you. Why didn't you get it? And when I did it, Candace, what popped up? Your PR event for this. And then I see leadership burnout. I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. Okay, so now I had to go back to the people, apologize. Then I had to go online and apologize because I was taking out on them something that God didn't ask us to do. It was my idea of fun. So I'm answering your question. So I had processed when I would be disappointed with people or myself from just being angry to stepping back a little bit. And of course, we're certainly not there 100%. I'm very honest. But Lord knows I'm a thousand percent better than I used to be. I don't take credit. I try not to take any credit for, like I said, disappointment or frustration. Mm -hmm. Now, for some of you listening mm -hmm. that, I probably should explain it because I'm certainly not talking about leadership that takes advantage of people, abuses people, neglects people, and then says, oh, you know, I don't take credit. No, I'm saying you just learn to give your God your best. Mm -hmm. He created me. He knows what I bring to the table. Give him my best and then don't lose sleep over it. So processing frequent disappointment, frustration, number one is to not take personal credit but also to talk to God. Now, you notice I didn't say pray because prayer sounds real spiritual. When I say talk to God, any of you remember the movie? Uh, what was that movie with? Mm -mm, he just died recently. The Apostle. I don't know if you saw that movie. Any of you see The Apostle? Okay. So this guy, goofy guy, he's supposed to be a servant of the Lord. I don't think he was really saved. But anyhow, in one scene, he's yelling at God and he is saying, you call me whatever. I'm calling you God. I want to know what's going on. To me, people thought that was blasphemous. I didn't think that was blasphemous. That was him talking to God. Mm -hmm. So when I had disappointment, frequent disappointment, I'm starting to see a trend. I go to the Lord. Yes, you can call it prayer, but I say, let me lay out my frustration. What am I doing wrong? Did I miss you? What's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, in the prophet Isaiah, this is a scripture I talk about a lot. The prophet Isaiah, the Lord said through him, come, let's reason together. All right. That phrase catches my attention. Because before we give our lives to the Lord, we can cuss, we can call the Lord out of his name, we do all this horrible stuff, and he didn't strike us dead. But now we're saved and in leadership, and if we have an area of doubt or concern, we think that God's going to be so through with, with us if we question. So when I'm disappointed, I'm frustrated, I go to the Lord and I say, hey, 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 this is my style, my personality. 
This is your baby. You gave me this baby. I didn't ask to be pregnant with this baby. So what's the deal with the baby? What am I doing wrong? Are you going to show me or not? That's my personality. Are you going to show me or not? I mean, I'm here. I'm listening. And so that's why I said when you process stuff, it's okay to process, but you don't process just alone. You definitely don't process with people who are not spiritual. Mm-hmm. You process that disappointment. You talk to God, don't hold it in. And you don't do, as I made allusion earlier, you kind of made a face. I know you all were laughing at me because some of y'all are getting to know my personality. You don't take spiritual matters and, and try to process them physically. So like I said, I don't know how many Christian leaders get in trouble and they're, they call it burnout. Next thing you know, they've overworked themselves. No one asked mm-hmm. them to. I've killed themselves. And then they wind up in bed with someone they shouldn't be in bed with, not their own spouse of the opposite sex. I have to say that, not that. <laughs> or they wind up, you know, doing something with money they shouldn't do. You don't go to secular or worldly solutions to spiritual problems. You hmm. go to the source. And I'm never embarrassed to go to my source. He hasn't struck me down dead yet. He's not going to do it. So I just want to know you're in charge here. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. So that yeah. to me is really important and not holding things in because mm-hmm. that's where art attacks is hold it in, hold it in, hold it in, trying to be something you're not. I'm you're human. Yeah. You're human. I love that point that you're making pastor shy. And I think if we get good at just talking to the Lord instead of presenting to the Lord, then we might mm-hmm. be able to get a little bit more insight and gain a little bit more peace from our interaction with him, instead of always feeling like you got to be on, you got to say the right things, you got to not say the wrong things, because it really is a relationship. It really is a relationship. You've been married a long time now. It's getting longer to my little brother, Pastor Jonathan. And that that's probably the most intimate relationship you can have outside with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've been now married 36 years. And I'm sure you would agree with me that if it's a solid relationship, you're able to not only speak to the person, but you're able to let them, they see your worst. They see you at your worst and your best. And if they are godly or Christ-like, they don't kick you to the curb when you're at your worst. Right. And so how much more the Lord? Right, right. the Lord? I think it just, it really does put us in a position to see the Lord in such a greater capacity. Being in relationship with the Lord, um, particularly in when you are a Christian leader, it just gives a different point of view to see that the Lord really can handle so much more. He really is big enough and great enough. He is an amazing leader that can handle all of the nuances of all the things that we could ever, right? But I think, and I can say that I've been guilty of this, particularly like in early leadership, there is this feeling that now that you are a leader, you're somehow taking some of the things off of the Lord's plate and you're doing some things, you know what I mean? In service to the Lord. So it's like, Lord, I'm I'm not going to bother you with this because, you know, you given this to me and I'm supposed to be doing the things. And, you know, the Lord has had to pull my coattail many a day and be like, (laughs) girl, what in the world? Like, there's no way that you could possibly do anything in your own strength to assist me in this thing. Like, the only value that we have is that of a conduit. It's not an accompaniment. It's a conduit. I love the picture. I love it, Pastor. Yeah, I love that picture. And, you know, you notice I don't suggest Someone else could suggest physical things. I don't suggest that because the beauty of 
being a Christian, especially a spirit-filled Christian, is that we have direct connection with God and we have direct instruction. So I don't think it's nice when we do cookie cutter solution. Like for example, someone could say, and they could legitimately say, you should always take time for yourself and do this or do that or talk to a counselor. That may be really true for you. That may not be true for me. So yes, you have to process it, but I think we should know ourselves enough to know where am I on this? What do I need to talk to the Lord about? What do I need to talk to myself about? Where have I overstepped? Where have I not stepped up? That is the beauty of the New Testament Christian life. We have direct connection with the one who not only created us, but who called us and who sustains us. And he lives on the inside of us. So my method for handling stress or whatever may be completely different than anyone else's. Like I said, I'm an extrovert. You know, all Mm -hmm. these lessons, conferences you go to, they tell you to get along with the Lord. That almost killed me during COVID. Me and the Lord are wonderful, but I like me and the Lord and like four more people at least, you know. (laughs) I go like a group session, you know. So I love it when people suggest this is how you avoid burnout. Step one, two, three. I don't like to give steps because you're in shortcutting access to the one who has all the solution. So Mm. what helps you? You know yourself, number one, but really beyond that, know your God and he'll communicate. So there are things we do, but we cannot cookie cut. When we do that, we get in trouble. That's so good. uh, That event I was on Sunday night, I told you about some women were talking and Christmas is upon us. What do you do? It was a similar topic to handle burnout during the season. One of the suggestions is take a bubble bath and light a candle. Okay, that's fine. It doesn't do a thing for me. That would just frustrate me. I don't like bubble baths and I'm not really in love with candles, but it works for you. Fine. So for me, I want to go find the snow and go talk to people at the lodge or something, you know? So I'm just saying that I'm not trying to be comical. Although I, no, I no, I love it. Yeah, you're answering my questions on my paper. So I'm just okay. go for it. But these areas, sisters and brothers that are watching these areas that we've allowed somebody else. Let me talk to you for a minute. Jersey style, everyone watching. You let someone else dictate or you've dictated for yourself. You do not own yourself. When you walked down an aisle or knelt or did whatever you did to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he became your master. Bottom line. You're not in charge. He's in charge. And he has opened up a line. It's called prayer or engagement or reading the scripture where you can find out more about him and about yourself. So we do not have, we may not run our own lives. We are not in charge. Someone recently told me a leader. I know one leader that committed suicide last year, a friend, a precious friend. And then another one said, well, it might be. I was like, excuse me, Sunday school 101. Morristown, New Jersey, Three Row Street, Joan Irving, in my science school class. Shy, you've given your life to the Lord. You no longer in charge. Sounds simple, but it will take you through not just Sunday school. It takes you through leadership as a Christian leader. We're not in charge. You don't own yourself. We're bought with a price. And if we'll look into that, then we'll kind of know what works for me. Listen, he'll tell you, not today. Again, another scripture. I'm talking to you all. Sorry, I just feel strongly. Go, 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 Pastor Shai. No, another scripture that talks about you put the kingdom of God first. Everything else is added. But how many times have you heard these formulas? They drive me crazy. God first, then, then, then marriage first, whatever, second, whatever. And I'm thinking, you just took God's role. If you'll be in touch, he will tell you the days. Don't go to the office or whatever you do. Don't do anything else. You spend time with your children today. 
this is your day or next week you need to set aside time for your spouse. But when we have our formulas, we cut out God. Shy, things are getting rough. The Lord says to me, you need to do ABC. Fine. But if I follow the formula Come on. that Christian conferences say, I'll still wound up burnt out. Come so on. Like, hey, put him first. He'll, he's quite capable of communicating. And he'll tell you, no, today, this next week, you have two kids. You're in trouble. Two of your five teenagers are in trouble. That's your focus right now. This is a season. He'll tell you your job. There's that sister on your job or that brother that sits next to you. This is not your time to be super spiritual on the job and read your scripture at lunchtime. No, that person needs you. So that's how we avoid burnout because we're putting things on ourselves that he didn't put on us or doing things he didn't tell us to do when he's ready to tell us we need to report for duty. He says, jump. We say, ha ha. <laughs> I tell you, this is it. Anyhow. I love it. Pastor Shy. I mean, I'm trying to look on my paper and see if there, I got any other questions for you because you just been running all the, way, all the way through them. What's one thing that you wish new leaders would realize about serving God and his people? One thing, if I had to formulize it. Hmm. I'm going to give you two seconds to think about that, but I'm also going to ask everybody that's watching. If you guys have any questions that you would like to ask Pastor Shy please feel free to put them in the chat right now because we have a few more minutes. And so I'm happy to take any questions that you all have as well. Pastor Shai, I'll repeat the question for you. What's one thing that you wish new leaders would realize about serving God and his people? Okay, I'll give you just one because Lord knows I could have a list, but this would be my one. I think my one would be if you are going to choose a mentor or follow someone, look at their track record and their fruit. I think that would be it. Because that's one thing that I notice with young leadership, they often look at someone or model themselves after someone who is seemingly wonderful, but they don't know them. I don't know mm. how many times I'm not going to say the names of big leaders because I respect them, but a young person will say, I went to that event, I'm on this part of their whatever, and I get their podcast and I'm listening. And I'm, I said, well, do you know anything else about them? Oh, no, they have a big church or they have this successful ministry. I'm like, do you know anything else about them? No. Do you have a relationship with them? Any type of, do they have any fruit or is it just what you see publicly displayed? To me, that would become stressful because if you don't know, you don't have access to that person now when you have questions. It's wonderful to have mentors and leaders, but if you don't have access, I think you're, as a young person, maybe when you're a little bit older, you're a little more mature, you have colleagues around, you can do that. But when you're just starting out and you're young, I think it's important to have access to that mentor and not just name some big name as my mentor and they don't know you if they saw you in McDonald's. They wouldn't know you. And you're saying, hey, I follow you. And they're like, okay, nothing wrong with them. I'm saying for you, you need a trustworthy person who has a good track record and good fruit. And that doesn't, fruit is not measured by quantity or size. It's measured by nutrition. What has it produced in people's lives? So that would be my, I think the one thing, I could say lots of things, but the one thing I wish new leaders would do is to really call it, to know, pay attention to who they decide to mentor them who they choose to mentor them with. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really good. <laughs> That's really good. So well, you have any questions out there, come on, weigh in questions. I, you have the opportunity of a lifetime. <laughs> I'm telling you, Pastor Shy. I mean, this topic, actually, 
ask the question or we'll, we'll talk a little bit about even the reason why we started talking about this topic to begin with. Because one of the things that I've noticed, and you know, we are the new kids on the block, Pastor Jay and I, we've been pastoring for just two years now. I've been in ministry for like a little bit over 15 years. And I know Jonathan's been in ministry for much, much, much longer because he's older than me. So like much longer than me. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) But one of the things that I've noticed is that like people, even in my age you know, bracket who are just starting in ministry. Like when you talk to them, they're like, they're already over. They're like, Oh God, you know, these people, (laughs) Oh, this assignment, this church, ah, you know? And meanwhile, I'll get on the phone with pastor shy and pastor shy is like, Oh, just loving the people of God, you know, just serving the people. It's an honor. And I'm like, wait a minute. She's been doing ministry for more than 40 years. And we got people doing ministry for 20 seconds and they're ready to throw in the towel already. They're already disgusted. They're already too cool for school. And I'm like, how in the world, like, Somewhere we have gone awry. Somewhere this math is not mathing and we are no longer honored to serve. Wow. Wow. That's a big one, Pastor Candice. That's a big one. No longer honored to serve or maybe serving in the wrong area, how we started our conversation. When I was young and starting the ministry, the thing everyone did is they were pastoring. That was your ministry. In our tradition, not every tradition, but in the classical Pentecostal tradition, if you were called to ministry. But then you get an evangelist, a strong evangelist in a pastoral role. They can get folks saved, but they can't keep them in church very well. I'm going back a while, right? So finally, as time went on, people started to realize, oh, you know, the the Holy Spirit does give different gifts. There are several other ones listed aside from pastoring. So that could be one of the situations. Is there out of a gifting? Not Mm. always. Another could be where I started, which is if your model is not Jesus, then your highest aspiration is not to serve. There's a song, you're a psalmist, you sing, I don't know if you remember the song, but it's coming back to me, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. Oh, how I long to be like him. So meek and lowly, humble and holy, something like that. So when he is our aspiration and our model, then the greatest thing, our greatest honor is to serve. And probably if you're unhappy serving, it could be several things. You know, there's many, you can't diagnose everyone. It could be gifting out of place. It could be just a heart out of place. You got Mm -hmm. into it for the wrong purpose. It could be there's just, you need another, some other input into your life to help you in your setting. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you're not called or gifted. You just, you know, you're in a setting that you need some other input. Not always the end of the world. Yeah, but that quick, ready to be done real quick, that makes me very nervous because that is not indicative of New Testament Christianity. New Testament Christianity is we're weary until we receive the Holy Ghost. Remember Peter? He was no help at all. He always had something to say when times were good. Then he would get in trouble. He had a motor mouth. Then the day of Pentecost, he gets filled with the Holy Ghost and he is zooming. He's good to go. He's good to go. Yes, he has some areas, you know, but nothing like before. New Testament Christianity. In fact, the analogy I gave earlier, when we looked at all the precious brothers and sisters in the Old Testament, they were either in trouble or spiteful Israel, back and forth, back and forth. Get me out of Egypt. Now I'm building a calf. You're taking too long to answer my, what, you know, God told you to take and borrow from your neighbors, the Egyptians, all this beautiful gold. So you could be prosperous, but you put it into the calf. Huh? Something's not right. 
Okay. But you never see, you never see that happen to the Christian leaders after the day of Pentecost. It's a different story. They are vibrant. They're full of the Holy Ghost. Many are martyred for their faith. They have one small disagreement, but nothing as major as what you see under the old covenant. So when that people are ready to let loose too quickly, they're either misplaced or perhaps they haven't been taught well. They're looking to the wrong source. I don't think it's just human failure. I think there's some other pieces that need to be addressed. And of course, the Lord can show you those. As my pastor used to say, you know, I pray and ask the searchlight from heaven to just shine on me. And if he'll do that, if we'll let him do it, then we say, oh, I see now where I'm where I'm wrong. We've yeah. got to trust. I know that sounds simplistic, you all watching. But I mean, really, the rubber hits the road there. We either trust him or not. He's either Lord or he's not. He's either capable of giving direction and vision or he's not. If not, I personally would not serve a God who's capable, who's less capable than I am. That's a waste of my time. You better come on and say that. I'm not interested. I need the one who holds my hand and directs me, whispers to me at night, says this is the way, walk in it. That's who we serve. Otherwise, who needs a God in our image or less competent than we are? We have to do it all. That's absolutely wasted time. Waste of time. I got off on a tangent there again. <laughs> no, I love it. And I love your approach to even addressing the fact that, you know, some of us are just dealing with some unnecessary angst in mm-hmm. our ministry assignment. I love what you said because you keep taking us back to this place. And for those who are listening, I just want to kind of just keep bringing it, bringing it back. If you are a Christian leader and you're feeling that, you're feeling like I'm burnt out, you're feeling like I, my lo- my yoke is not easy and my burden is not light, you got to yes. go back. You've got to go back to the feet of Jesus. You've got to let him speak to you and don't feel pressure to find your solution elsewhere. Pastor Shai keeps saying it. The Lord is capable. He's capable. As a matter of fact, he designed us in such a way that we would be led by him. So he does not want us to gather our information elsewhere. He wants to be the source of enlightenment. The Bible says his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It is designed to point us in the right direction for forward mobility. So use his words for that. He didn't say, my words are awesome for sermons, so you should just come visit him whenever you got to do a thing. No, he said, rely on my words to be a lamp, to be a guide to you. So I want to encourage those of you who are listening tonight and Allow the Lord to speak to you that maybe, maybe it is a, a placement thing. Maybe there's a, some recalibration that's required in 2023 for the Lord to be able to shift you and move mm-hmm. you about within the body so that you can be fulfilled in the calling. And you know, Pastor Candace, again, I don't keep up. For all of you watching, if you don't know me, these people are also family for me. I remember the day her husband was born. I always tell that story. Her in-laws, her mother and father-in-law are great mentors to me and her grandparents-in-law. So what I want to say is I know that you, Pastor Candace, I'm not sure exactly everything you do now, but one of your areas has been like in human resources and placement of people, et cetera. And there's careful, you helped me in several areas to know areas of strength, et cetera, when I was trying to find an administrator. And so I wonder why we would give more attention or time to our secular areas when we don't do the same thing in our Christian leadership. Hmm. So, for example, like in your, you know, you sat with me. I was trying to find an admin. Actually, gave me some good counsel about who might work best with me. So, therefore, 
or place menopause. So why wouldn't we give at least that much time to our ministry leadership areas, our ministry calling to evaluate and allow, let the Lord talk to us, yes, but also evaluate ourselves and our giftings and realize this is a fit for me. This isn't going to work. I'm eating people up and spitting them out. I'm becoming abusive to my own self and to others. Come I'm talking on. what I know from experience. Come on. I'm hurting others. Not, that's not the picture of the Jesus life. It's not what he came for. That's and so you know, there's, for example, look at take myself so seriously sometimes. Jesus had three years on the face of the earth, right? Three years. He was eternally, but three years. He's going to save the world in three years. This gets my attention. But what does he have? He has time to go to every party. You read the scripture. The scripture says, and there was a wedding at Canaan, and Jesus and the disciples were there. I'm like, what? He has time for every hurting person. You know, if there was a marriage, he was there. So it starts to kind of get your attention into what really makes a difference in our life and ministry life of other people. Is it really some of the things we've been told or we've told ourselves mm. according to secular standards, or is it the model of walking with ease? And when he got stressed, he was stressed. The Bible says there was one main time he got stressed and he went aside and he spent some time praying. And within like two seconds, when he started to pray, he goes, oh, not my will, thy will. So in other words, I'm mm. drawing strength from you, Father. And that was it. You didn't hear about it again. So I think sometimes we kind of, you know, there's like you said, or what you the challenge you gave for 2023 is nice because we like to do stuff in the new year. We like to start a year out nice. I don't know why we don't do it in July, but you know, it is what it is. So, so January is coming. It's a time to reposition. I think that's good. I think that's really good. But the idea of putting, you have nothing to prove brothers and sisters. You have one Lord to answer. You have nothing to prove. So don't let people kill you, but don't kill yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't add stress to yourself or let people add stress to you because neither those people or you own yourself. You have one master. His name is Jesus. That is so true. That is so true. I was thinking about this and you touched on it before, but maybe if I phrase it this way, you'll have something else to share. But I was asking, do you see any danger with the current campaigns for self-care? within <laughs> ministry. I'll give you a little bit of insight. I'll give you a little bit of my perspective because if I'm wrong, I want you to correct me. So, but one of the things that I'm thinking about, particularly that I find that's dangerous with the self-care thing is I'm like, we hardly broke a sweat for talking about, I gotta, oh, you know, I gotta take a sabbatical. I'm like, you just started two days ago and now you need a six month sabbatical and then you back for three weeks and you got another sabbatical. Like when is the work of the Lord being done if we can't get you off sabbatical, right? So this is my, it's just me, it's my issue. But I just wanted to know from you, like, are there any dangers with this self-care model that we're seeing? Of course, you know what I mean? We should be taking time and replenishing and all these things. But do you see any danger of the pendulum swinging into an unhealthy space? I think you highlighted it, which is why I started laughing as soon as you said the self-care model. Again, as we said earlier, self-care is part of the walk of the believer. The self-care is the walk because you know when you need to come aside with the Lord. You understand mm, your good. So current self-care trends, I don't know if they really reflect New Testament Christianity. I'm not so sure about that. So that's why I started laughing because, again, your mentor or someone you modeled and now they have the 20,000 person church or large ministry and they've been in ministry 82 years. 
And yeah, they need to take the time they need to take. So yeah, there are dangers. And there's dangers always when we try to to model after everyone else. That's the deal. Some Mm -hmm. people have a different capacity. Again, you know, we're not talking personality types, but one of the things I learned taking a a test years ago is extroverts, they, uh, people give them energy. Introverts are drained. That doesn't mean any of us are wrong, but your self-care as an introvert, you who are watching is going to be completely different as mine. So yeah, there are dangers in the trends when we try to just uh, formulize it. I don't think there's anything wrong with looking out for yourself. But to me, there's some real simple, the things again, back to Sunday school, you get a good night's sleep. Hello. Don't put that on the Lord when you haven't slept in three days and you're grouchy and you don't feel good or you eat improperly and your body's in trouble and say, you know, I'm going through something. The Lord is taking me through this valley. That's not the Lord. You need to get a better diet and you need to get some sleep. So sometimes we can really spiritual. That's self-care. That's my Christianity 101. You get a decent night's sleep. You don't stay up all night. Okay, you're in travail and prayer and maybe occasionally. That happens occasionally, you could call, again, the model of Jesus. But for the most part, we live disciplined lives. If we're followers of Christ, as we strive to do. And that's part of your self-care right there. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, just the reason some people have to have these long sabbaticals is they've been at working crazy and eating crazy and living crazy and thinking crazy, not renewing our minds. Every negative look, someone looks at you and you're mad. Or, eh, renew your mind. So some self-care should surface in a more, I'll call it a more New Testament Christian lifestyle, consistency and fellowship. The disciples, they had the New Testament, they had groups, but you saw them going up to the temple at the time of prayer. You go to church, you get involved in activities that are uplifting. You have fellowship with other Christians, Christianity 101. And then you don't need as much, I'm not opposing I'm not opposed to self-care because I'm coming back to Bermuda. I can't wait to come. I'm really saying self-care should be daily. And then you don't burn out as quick. Mm-hmm. If we learn that, I learned that took years. Then I really feel like I have more stamina because a lot of that I thought was spiritual was not spiritual. It was bad diet. And I'm like blaming the Lord that I'm going through a valley. It wasn't taking me through no valley. I was eating the wrong foods, too much sugar. You had a cheeseburger in your colon. Oh my God. And not sleeping on a regular schedule. Sounds unspiritual. It's very spiritual. Mm -hmm. It's very spiritual. We do have a question that came in, Pastor Shai. If you know that God has called you to be a leader, but you are afraid to get deep into it, because you have a young family, how do you manage them both? Let's see, deep into it. I'm going to read into that uh, to get deep into it means to be over, to get involved into it. Or you know what I'm asking, Pastor Candace? I don't mm-hmm. exactly. And they say yeah. deep into it. So you're um, afraid, they're saying you're afraid to get too deep into it because you have a young family. How do you manage them both? I'm assuming that the implication would be whatever ministry that the Lord is asking you to involve yourself in would be like you're taking away from your family. Uh, okay. Well, here's something that I learned uh, again many years ago. You have seasons in life. There's another thing Bishop Madonna Osborne told me. You have seasons in life. My husband and I did not have biological children but I've been around a long time. So there's a season. I don't know if this is a woman, your name is prophetic footsteps or a man, but you have seasons in life and God created the season. So for example, 
you're raising young children, you may not be doing, your calling is still there, but you may not be given the same amount of time to the day-to-day ministry that you would when that child is now in school or those children are in school. I'm just giving an example. She says young, young family. When they're in high school, they're going to be out of the house before you know it. It's like this. I'm telling you, it was yesterday that Pastor Jonathan was born. I remember. Time goes like that. So don't miss the season of childbearing. And But doing it, you don't have to completely divorce yourself from ministry. It, I don't know what this person is called to, et cetera. But you assess. And there are things that that child or those young children can do with you. They could be a part of. If it's church ministry, they should be there. But you don't kill them with it. It's like you don't kill yourself with it. But acknowledge the seasons in life. What season are you in right now? Where is your energy, your strength? But really, I would say that when I started out, I talked about asking the Lord for your direction for that day. He will really tell you. So you should never be afraid to get deep into anything, but you understand, acknowledge the season. And that season does not, it doesn't last forever. So mm-hmm. giving your attention there is very appropriate, but not divorcing yourself from what the Lord asks you to do. Asking him, how do I include these kids? What should I do? You know, how should this work? See, where I grew up, we went to church all the time, all the time. And for those who grew up in the church, Christian families, they may disagree with me because I didn't, my family, my home life was not Christian, but they would bring the children to church. Someone had their pajamas on, the women, especially who had a role in the church and the child went to sleep on the altar, on the pew. Now don't start arguing with me. Some of you may not think that's a good idea, but I have followed up with my friend and 90% of them are not mad at God or the church. They're living happy, healthy lives, serving the Lord. So they didn't feel neglected. They weren't left alone, et cetera. But they also weren't made to do everything that mom and dad was doing. So I think there's got to be acknowledgement of seasons and there's got to be a balance. But I would say you need to really talk to the Lord and ask, now, how much is my family involved, et cetera? Never running away and leaving any of your responsibilities, male or female, never doing that. That's not that's not biblical. I mean, what's the last thing Jesus did on the cross, Pastor Ken? It's one of the last things he did. He He's gave his mother. He took care of his mother. said, hey, John, mom, John, you take care of mom. So there's a way to do both. But you have to really, you know, be sensitive to the Lord and not other people. So. Absolutely. I love that you said that, Pastor Shai, because I think depending on the circle that you're in, there is a feeling that the Lord is not concerned Like he's only concerned with your ministry and he's not as concerned with your family. And so we find nowadays that people almost Mm -hmm. approach their service to the Lord in a way where they're protecting their family from the call. So it's like, oh, you know, you know, my kids, I leave my kids at home because this, that, or the other. And, you know, I just, I just don't want the fight of it. And you know what I mean? As if the Lord is somehow not as good for your family you know what I mean? Like he's good enough for your service, but he's not as, but he's not in favor of your family or the health of your family. So I love that you said that because I think he gets a bad rap when it comes to young families. I do think so. And again, who knows what they've heard or been taught or what's been modeled to them. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, what you said is accurate. And I think, uh, family's not the enemy and God is, can be trusted. (laughs) I'm telling you, you know, if he can't he keep them together, who can? Yeah, who can? He caught you. Is he stupid? He caught you now. Why didn't he wait till they were 15 or 17? They have a role in the ministry. What it is, you'll see. You know your child. They came, if, you're, if this is a mother talking, especially they came out of your stomach, you know your child. Where's their personality? How can you fit them in? 
what are some things? Because again, I don't know this person or exact calling, et cetera, but there are areas that can be right alongside of you, but you'll know when you seek the Lord. And then you, like I said, you remember the season you're in. So you never, never have to abort that season because God created the seasons. He created them. So this is your, your raising family season. Bring them along. Enjoy. They'll be gone before you know it. Amen. Amen. Pastor Shai, we have come to the end of our time together and it was oh so, so good. I can't even believe that we've been talking for a whole hour already. I had to believe it because I love talking to you. (laughs) I mean, this is so good. So good. I'm so encouraged by what you said. I'm encouraged by your approach. I love that when I listen to you, nothing seems like it's unto death. Because <laughs> sometimes oh, people yeah. have us be like, you know, if you're feeling so burnt out, just keep it. Just keep your service. Don't even bother. Don't even, don't even worry about it. But no, no, no. This is so good. And you bring such great perspective that we all we all need. So if you guys don't have good Christian leaders in your life where you can gain perspective, I encourage you to get around some people. Allow yes. their perspective to rub off on you. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the way that we see things is not always the right way. Mm-hmm. And it's not always yeah. the most comprehensive way. Sometimes it's not wrong. It's just narrow. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. And sometimes I want to give a word, a great word that your husband gave me some years ago before you all married. And he was working with me in the church in Tulsa, Pastor Jonathan. He's a really good leader. And uh, we had a leadership crisis at the church. And I, I went to him and I said, what do you think this person needs? They were just so serious. They were dramatic, you know, almost suicidal, just really in their service. I said, what do you think? And he said to me, I'll never forget what he said to me, Pastor Jonathan, you're probably watching. He said, I think they need to fart. (laughs) What in the world? I am not making this up. What in the world? But what he was saying, he knew I understood him. What he was saying is they're taking themselves too seriously. They're just up, puffed up, and they're nervous. He's like, just they need to fart. And I laughed so hard that night. He helped me with a problem. I didn't know if I should discipline them, take away their license. I didn't know they were really going to commit suicide. And he gave me the solution. I went and told him that. They didn't appreciate it. But then they started laughing. They didn't appreciate it. We encourage you to take ourselves so seriously. Come on. Come on. You uh, Give it up. Come on. <laughs> I love it. Right. Be happy that I shared that, but I share it. So I love it. I love it. Thank you all for joining us tonight for another episode of the Growth and Greatness podcast. This episode will be available on all podcast platforms this weekend. So be sure to download it because I'm telling you, the things that Pastor Shai discussed tonight, they're things that you definitely want to revisit. Definitely some wisdom that you want to not just hear, but learn to apply. To your life. And we will see you all next week at Tuesday at 9 p.m. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, what are you waiting for? What do I got to do? I'm telling you, this information is so good. It's going to help your life. So make sure that you subscribe. Go to www.candislam.com, join my newsletter, and uh, yeah. I'll see you next week. God bless you guys. Good night. Thanks for having me. Bye, everyone. Nice to meet you. 
Thanks for listening to the Growth and Greatness podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe to make sure you never miss a new episode. And follow me on social media at Candice Lamb. That's C-A-N-D-I-C-E-L-A-M-B-E. To catch the replay of this live show, check out my channel, Rain Life Entertainment, on YouTube. That's R-E-I-G-N, Life Entertainment, on YouTube.